We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Adrian Freeman, joined by my co-host, of course, Usain Koshal. We're recording this episode on a Tuesday here in the middle of July, July 11th. So we're in, you know, only a couple weeks out from the start of training camp. I think everybody's getting ready um, and geared up for the start of that in a couple of weeks. I'm certainly looking forward uh, to the start of training camp and can't wait to get there. But um, it seems like we're get, we're slowly moving through uh, until that point, you said. Uh, but before we get started today, how you doing today, man? I'm doing 110% well. You're right. I mean, training camp is right around the corner. About two weeks is when the Bears go ahead and report. And I think really it's football season all across the country right now. Or it's getting to be football season all across the country just because, you know, college teams are officially starting camp. I know some of the local ones here in Illinois kind of reported some of the D1 programs they reported yesterday, which to me does mark the unofficial start of the 2024 NFL draft. And then obviously, you know, high school programs too have kind of started. So it's getting really close here to the point where 24-7, 365, there's going to be a constant news cycle of football on any level. Yeah, I, I always find that uh, July is like the worst sports month, right? Because there's no more basketball going on at the NBA. There's no NHL going on. You have uh, MLB baseball still going on, but this is the dog days of summer for baseball, and you have the all-star break and um, a lot of things. You know, It's the middle of the season where people are kind of like, I don't know, I guess kind of not as engaged with the sport as they are maybe at the beginning of the season or late in the season when the playoff push really starts to happen. And then, of course, uh, we're waiting on training camp to start um, for football, and there's really nothing going on in terms of um, off-season moves. You know, there's not a lot of draft stuff to talk about. There's not a lot of free agency stuff to talk about. So I, I guess if there's anything we can touch on here before we get started on on some of our topics today is that we got some good news uh, in regards to a Bears player here, and that's uh, Darnell Mooney. It sounds like he is healthy and recovered from 
offseason injury. Um, and it looks like he's going to be ready to roll for training camp. And um, I think this is a big deal because obviously Mooney is a very important piece uh, for this Bears passing attack. He has the best chemistry with Justin Fields among the established wide receivers on the roster. And, you know, for him, it's going to be an important year because he's going into the final year of his contract, obviously. So um, what do you make of Mooney being back and, and ready to go for it? What it sounds like he's going to be ready to go for uh, training camp when that starts in a couple of weeks. It is legitimately the best case scenario for the Bears that this is happening for a handful of reasons. I mean, his 2022 season ended in a not so great fashion, kind of came down with the season ankle, season ending ankle injury. Then you look at what he did during his sophomore season in 2021, which again, with two different quarterbacks, Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, as well as an offense that really shouldn't have been considered an offense under Matt Nagy. Mooney came in and outperformed, so we know what he can do when he's playing at a high level. But believe it or not, I mean, this is a roster that it has that has had such a high amount of turnover. If you were to go through and rank the longest tenured Chicago Bears right now, Darnell Mooney would probably or he should be in the top five behind guys like Eddie Jackson as well as Cody White here because he was here for the Matt Nagy days. Now, this is big for the Bears for a handful of reasons. When we look at the wide receiver previews, and again, we've been publishing the positional previews on Bear Report, it's fair to argue that the Bears have this trio of wide receivers. We know DJ Moore is the undisputed number one wide receiver. After that, wide receiver two and three gets really tricky. Some people could go ahead and argue that it's going to be either Mooney or Claypool at that two and three spot or Claypool and Mooney, whatever the case may be. I would sit here and argue that the Bears wide receiver two without a doubt is Darnell Mooney. And why? Because he's got that chemistry with Justin Fields. He has been in this offense for basically two full off seasons now. And the skill set that he possesses makes him an incredibly versatile receiver. I mean, we look at Mooney, his best attribute and trait is without a doubt his speed that he brings to the table, being able to go ahead and stretch defenses vertically. But also the reality of that is he's got incredibly solid hands. And for a guy who's only 5'10", 5'11", we're going to be quite honest, there's one trait that doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to Darnell Mooney, which is that he's this tough, scrappy receiver who is always going to be playing right there alongside some of the bigger defensive backs in this league. And he's not an easy receiver to toss around at all. If you look at some of the pictures floating around on social media, it's very clear that with some of these guys like Fields, Mooney, Cole Komet, DJ Moore working out at a local high school named South where DJ Moore hosts his football camp. I mean, Darnell Mooney looks like he's added more muscle this year. He just looks stronger and leaner too. So he's getting to a point where it seems like he's gearing up for a major 2023 bounce back season. And you can tell he is the type of player that has a major chip on his shoulder going into this year. Yeah, I mean, until proven otherwise, like Mooney is the number two guy here. And um, call it me being negative on the Claypool straight trade still and not really being um, a fan of that move and, and not really seeing how he establishes a big role in this offense this year. But I just think it makes too much sense. You know, DJ Moore is your number one guy. Mooney is your number two guy. 
And you really need those two guys to be productive and healthy if you're going to have a successful passing attack this season uh, to support Justin Fields. I mean, those are two guys that get open the most. Um, They're very versatile with how they can be lined up. So, yeah, I mean, you talk about Mooney uh, beefing up for this upcoming season. Like, he looks good, man. He looks really good um, in some of those photos. I try not to get too worked up over um, off-season workouts and off-season, you know, pictures or whatever because, I mean – these guys are professional athletes. I would hope that they are working out in the off season and whatnot. Um, so, but yeah, it's a good sign that, you know, he, he looks like he's a guy who's been in the weight room. Looks like these guys been in the gym working out and, and looking to get back stronger and healthier and more explosive than ever. And that's what you hope to see because certainly um, they're going to need him this year if they're going to be successful. And he needs to have a big year for himself personally. This is a huge year for him. Um, it's really going to determine the type of contract he gets on his second contract. And it could be very significant. And the wide receiver market is kind of in a weird spot right now. It's kind of resetting a little bit after, you know, we had two off seasons ago where uh, Christian Kirk got the big contract and everyone was freaking out about wide receivers needing to get a, a ton of money um, on the open market. Now this year, it kind of, it kind of came back down to earth a little bit. So I'm curious to see what the market for Mooney will be eventually when, when, and if he has a good season this year, but he'll have to prove it on the field, obviously. Um, but you kind of mentioned um, something that we've been doing at the bear report over the last week or so, and that's been our position previews heading into training camp. And um, you know, one position that we haven't released yet, I'm, I'm currently in the process of working on it. I'm, su- I'm sure by the time I, that this uh, podcast comes out, that this article will be out there, but uh, the defensive line is a very important position group for um, this Bears team as in general going into this season. It was, it was a weakness for this team uh, last year, and you know the Bears certainly put some resources into improving this unit in the offseason. How much it has improved is up to debate, though, um, and it, it, it draws for a very interesting conversation because you know, you know they made some additions this offseason. When you look at Demarcus Walker, in free agency, Rasheen Green in free agency, Andrew Billings, um, some veteran guys to come in here and provide a little bit of experience. And then in the draft, obviously, you get uh, you know Dexter and Zach Pickens um, in the second and third round specific, uh, respectively. So clearly the defensive line was an emphasis for Ryan Poles and company this offseason to address that unit. But, you know, some would say that they haven't done enough to address the unit and when we're setting the expectations for this group this upcoming season, you said, where do you fall on, on that question? You really have to temper expectations for the Bears DL group for a handful of reasons. And when you look at this group, ultimately, I mean, if we're going to be fully honest about something, this is not a group that's going to blow any offensive coordinator away. It is not going to blow away any of the top offensive lines in the league and that is simply because there is a certain level of lack of talent that exists now to me when I look at the philosophy for this D-line group the most experienced starter hands down that's been in the system is without a doubt who Justin Jones 
He's in his mid-20s, kind of came over from the Chargers last year, going into the second year of a two-year deal that was signed in the 2022 offseason. I just don't see a specific situation where Justin Jones is the guy that's going to put this team over the top. Demarcus Walker being the veteran that he is, incredibly versatile, can play both end and nose tackle in this defense. He should be the guy who ends up becoming the biggest contributor, even though I'm not a fan of the – 21 million dollar deal that the bears handed out when we look at the entire group in general i mean it's going to be all about rotational guys right trevon dexter second round pick from florida the rookie he's lighting it up so far in otas and mandatory minicamp but ultimately to me what this really signals is that this is a group who if we're going to be quite honest is one or two more players away from being this incredibly solid group now i will say this Matt Eberflus has, and Alan Williams, they've been together since their days in Indianapolis. They figured out a way to get the most out of average or above average defensive linemen, and that's exactly what I see happening here. So ultimately, when I look at it, I would not be surprised to see this group outperform expectations, but doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a top 15 unit this year. It's not going to be bottom 15 either. I think when we talk about the Bears D-line group, it's going to be right there in that like top 20-ish group, but definitely between like 16 or 17 and 21-22. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, this is. I think this is where we're going to differ on this podcast because I am. I, I, you said temporary expectations is is a good way to put it, and I think we have to really temper expectations unless there's another move out there that happens before training camp or during training camp. I think the Bears are once again set to have one of the worst defensive lines in the NFL this season, especially from a pass rushing standpoint. I just. I don't know how they get to the quarterback this year because, I mean, this has kind of been a, a theme for Iberflus' defenses, even going back to his days with the Colts, is that they don't really pressure the quarterback very well. Um, and last year they were one of the worst, if not the worst, pass rushing group in the NFL. You know, Demarcus Walker, he's a nice player that they brought in, but he was – remember, he was a rotational guy for the Tennessee Titans uh, over the last two seasons. He wasn't like – a surefire starter for them getting um, tremendous reps. Um, he wasn't a guy that a lot of teams were game planning around, you know, he's a nice piece to have, but he's one piece 
in the puzzle, so to speak. You know, you have to have some other big pieces there to really get the most out of him, I think. And my worry for Walker is, is that his best skill set is as an interior rusher. And I don't know if they're going to be using him there as much or as an edge rusher, whereas an edge rusher, he is not as effective. Um, so that's kind of, I'm kind of curious to see how they utilize him there and that aspect of the things. But then you, you look down the line of this roster, like Billings, really solid run defender. I, I like what he brings to the table. You know, Jones, I'm not sure what to make of Jones because I feel like he's a very hit or miss player. Any given snap, he's going to make a spot, splash play. And the very next play, he'd be getting, you know, driven 10 yards back by an offensive guard and just completely get bullied out of the play. Like he's, he's very much a boomer bust player. Um, and, and, I, I wonder if better talent around him would make a difference for him this year because I think they are a bit more talented this year um, than they were last year. But I'm not sure if that's saying much because I think a lot of you can do a lot to get. It doesn't take much to be better than they were last year at that unit. Um, and then you know, but really, it really comes down to the young guys for me because you still got you know Travis Gibson. He's going into the final year of his rookie contract, I believe. Um, looking for a second contract or whether it's here or somewhere else, he's looking for his second contract. It's going to be a big year for him at defensive end. You have Dominique Robinson, second year of his career. What do we expect out of him going into his second season? You know, he showed some flashes early last year, and then it seemed like he hit that rookie wall pretty early on and that we just never really saw any flashes from him um, over the back half of the season or so. At least that's what I, I saw out there. So I'm curious to see what we get out of him this year. And then, you go to the interior and the two guys they drafted this year, Dexter, you know, he's going to be a big talking point for a lot of bears fans, very polarizing talking point. And this is kind of the case when he was drafted, you have pundits like me saying that I don't like the pick, you know, I see the upside, but I think he's got a ways to go. Um, and then there are a lot of people out there that really love that pick for the bears um, and think that he's going to be, a really nice player for them sooner rather than later. And then he's got a lot, a lot of upside to work with. So I, I think that really comes down to the rookies here. When, when we're looking at the rookies here, you say, what are some of the expectations for them? You know, do they think, do you think that they earn starting positions at some point this year? And if not, like what kind of role can we expect from them and how they're going to be used? The rookies are both going to be rotational guys in this defensive line. And that's not because I don't believe in them. It's more so just because Dexter and Pickens, if we're going to be honest, I mean, they are two guys who really kind of flew under the radar when it came to the 2023 NFL draft process. Now, the Bears met with Zach Pickens at the scouting combine back in Indianapolis in February 2023, and they made it very clear and known that they were in love with him. They didn't necessarily meet with Javon Dexter and publicized that they had met with him. That was a report that was never really floating out there. But, you know, you just look at it and you look at both of their college careers and talking to Shane Beamer from South Carolina to the Gamecocks head coach, it was very clear that Zach was a guy who kind of came into the Gamecocks program fresh from high school and really needed to figure out what his role was going to be within the South Carolina program. I look at that and I say, you know, both of these guys are players that it's going to take time for them to really develop an identity. When we talk about Javon Dexter, yes, he's kind of flashed a lot of potential here in the early portions of the offseason, specifically minicamp and OTAs. But then again, if we're going to be quite honest, like 
mini camps and OTAs are reserved primarily for seven on seven football. And it's just a lot of it. What it is, is just teamwork to kind of work out the rust and for coaches to go ahead and really experiment with new things. So these are two guys who they aren't going to be starters because there is enough experience ahead of them at the interior positions with guys like Demarcus Walker, Rasheem Green, as well as Justin Jones to really warrant them having to be rotational guys. But I will say this much. When the Bears get inside the 20-yard line and opposing offenses are inside the 20 and you're looking for that big goal line stand, you can bet that you are going to have a lot of size on that defensive line and that Pickens and Dexter should be up there in terms of getting to play in a lot of those situational moments. And I would even say this when the defense is in these like third and short situations and the offense's tendencies are likely to run the football. I mean, would not be surprising to see both Dexter and Pickens out on the field, but they are just going to be two guys who again, are going to take time to find their identities. Yeah. Dexter specifically when it comes to being a run stopper out there, because they, They've kind of said that the Bears coaching staff and Ryan Poles, they've kind of alluded to the fact that he's going to be playing both the one-tech and the three-tech for this defense at times, depending on the personnel and the situation. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Eberflus saw a lot of Grover Stewart in um, Gervon Dexter's game because Dexter, he's a big, broad-shouldered dude, really explosive um, player um, in terms of his testing numbers. And he does have really nice ability to stack in a shed in the run game. That was something that really popped to me when I went back and watched him um, after he got selected. And even when I was evaluating him as a player um, in the pre-draft process, but uh, this guy can definitely be a quality run stopper in the, in the NFL, I think. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to be, like you said, a, a guy's going to be a starter right away. Cause I think Billings is very solid as a two down run stopper and, you know, Dexter, he's still a ways away as a pass rusher for me to where I'm not sure how many reps he's going to be getting on third down. So if anything, he's going to probably make most of his impact as a run defender in year one. Um, but it gets exciting for, I guess, the future because there is a lot of upside with him. So I, I agree. I think like both of these guys are probably not going to be getting too much playing time on on passing downs because of the way the roster is structured. Pickens is a very interesting situation because I'm not sure if you want him out there at all on rundowns because he was so bad at it in college. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't poop him too much for that. I guess he's, you know, there's only so much he could do at that level of competition, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's more of that risk taker type where he's going to make a lot of splash plays, but when it goes wrong, he's getting buried by, offensive guards and tackles in the run game and either getting blown off the snap completely or just being uh, funneled into the ground. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's going to take a little while for him, I think, to develop that aspect of things. But he's kind of the opposite of Dexter, where I do like his ability as a pass rusher or at least upside as a pass rusher to where I think he could get some work there as kind of that three tech um, on passing down situations. But it gets interesting because you got Walker in there. They signed Rasheem Green, who kind of does a similar stuff as Walker as a guy who can play inside and outside. They have experimented with Travis Gibson as an inside rusher. So clearly um, Eberflus and the defensive coaching staff for the Bears, they love defensive linemen that are versatile and that can play all up and down 
uh, the defensive line. So there are a lot of different combinations that they can use this year um, to get a lot out of these guys. I really hope they emphasize using stunts this year because that was something that I thought was lacking uh, last season uh, where they didn't do a lot to free these guys up and give them advantages to get after the quarterback. And I wish they would implement that stuff a little bit more this year. Um, but of course, like behind those guys, like the depth isn't, I, I wouldn't say the depth is great. Obviously, you know, once you get past, you know, Walker and, and Gibson and, and Robinson on the defensive defensive end position, it really, there's not a lot there. And the same goes for a defensive line. Once you get past the top four of Billings, um, Jones, Dexter and Pickens, there really isn't a lot to really write home about. So, you know, if, if they, handle have to handle go through injuries at any point this year it's going to be a bit of a struggle for them and um speaking of depth you know that that kind of transitions us to our next topic here which is um some other positions where depth could be an issue for the bears this season now you know with all the resources that the bears had to work with this offseason i think they've done a good job of addressing some of their needs of depth um at some position groups this year but it's not perfect at a lot of spots and there are still some concerning areas I think on this roster that they'll need to look over. I think defensive line is certainly one of them, but you say it for you, what other position do you think is concerning in terms of the overall depth on the roster right now? Honestly, it's a phenomenal question. And for me, it's going to be safety that I have some questions at. We know what Eddie Jackson is. Jaquan Brisker had a really solid year last year. You could argue he was the best rookie on the Bears roster. But for me, the team didn't go ahead and bring back DeAndre Houston Carson this year. He was really, you look at the last two or three coaching staffs between... John Fox, Matt Nagy, and then Matt Eberflus, too. He was, without a doubt, the guy that was all reliable, really solid on special teams, provided some really solid depth at the safety position, stepped up when needed to. So he's a guy that just is not coming back at all this year. The Bears did draft Elijah Hicks last year, as well as Kendall Williamson this year, to kind of go ahead and push DeAndre Houston Carson, but the reality is that I'm just not really impressed with a lot of the safety depth that exists because you've got two seventh round picks back there and that are depth in Hicks and Williamson. Now, when I look at Kendall Williamson, he to me is going to be the guy that this team hopes can be DeAndre Houston Carson 2.0. What I mean by that is that you can put him at either free safety or strong safety. You look at the tape that he put on when he was playing at Stanford. I mean, he's a very quick, fast, physical player. He can come downhill and really impose his will when it comes to the run. He can also drop back into coverage. He's versatile and lengthy enough to pick up against tight ends, but also wide receivers. Elijah Hicks is a guy who... To me, his ceiling really is not even being a true safety. It's just more so of a guy that if he makes the roster is going to be a gunner on special teams. But you look at the safety position. I mean, it's one that if the Bears were to make a late addition or two throughout August or even a week before the season starts, I would not be surprised to see them sign a veteran because you don't want to risk Brisker or Jackson getting hurt. And then all of a sudden having to rely on a seventh round pick to kind of fill in really big shoes because this safety position, I mean, this is a coaching staff that loves their secondary and the defensive coaching staff specifically. I mean, these are, 
people who have made it work wherever they've gone in terms of not necessarily having high draft picks in the secondary, but they have really coached the secondary up. And you could argue this last year. Safety was without a doubt the best one of the best positional groups on the Bears roster in terms of week-to-week performance. But that depth right there is a major question for me. And if something happens, the Bears are going to need to go soul-searching for answers. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I think you make a good point about this coaching staff being able to get a lot out of low-round draft picks in the secondary. Like Eberflus, we saw that was a constant theme for him in Indianapolis where they didn't really invest a ton in the secondary there, but it seemed like they always got the most out of um, low-round guys, undrafted guys, and just got – didn't get really difference makers out of a lot of them, but just got solid play out of a lot of unheralded guys um, and guys who could step in when injury showed up. But, yeah, I agree with you. The safety position is probably the most concerning for me in terms of depth because, you know, Eddie Jackson, he's getting up there in age, and he's already dealt with some injuries. You look at the injury he had last year – you know, how much of that is just a fluky freak injury and how much of that is going to be, you know, a concern going to the future. Who's to say, but um, you know, injuries is always something to worry about in the NFL, regardless of player or position, just because of the nature of the sport. And yeah, you certainly hope that Jaquan Brisker can take another step forward after what I thought was a very promising rookie season. So the starting duo itself is very good. I'd I'd say it's a very good combo Um, and really a strength of this defense going into this year, but yeah, I, I think not having DeAndre Houston Carson or really even a replacement for him in terms of just having a veteran that you feel confident about um, really, you know, it, it worries me a lot because, you know, Elijah Hicks, when he was in there last year, I'll be honest, like I, I didn't think he was a rosterable player from the limited playing time that he had out there, or at least not as a, a starter on defense. Like maybe he offers more as a special teamer. But in terms of playing safety, like – it was not very good for him. And I didn't really see a lot of flashes of things that made me excited for his future. So I, you know, he's not a guy that I'm really counting on as being a difference maker. If he were to have to have to step up and then Kendall Williamson, you know, again, another seventh round pick for them, you know, again, and safety, this is a pretty weak safety class too. So it was a seventh round pick and a weak safety class, you know, how, how much can you really expect out of a guy like that? Like if, if they can get a solid backup from one of those two guys, I think that would do wonders for them. But right now, I mean, that's a major question mark. And it almost makes me question like, you know, because I, I do like the depth at cornerback a whole lot more than at safety right now. It almost want, makes me wonder like what they consider if, if injuries become an issue for them over the course of the season, would they move a Kyler, Kyler Gordon or a Kendall Vildor to safety in some situations because those guys are primarily slot defenders, especially Kyler Gordon. And a lot of the skill sets you have as a slot defender can be not easily translatable, but much more easily translatable to the safety position in this style of defense than slot corner as well. So I almost wonder if you would 
consider that as an option as well to kind of have that flexibility. But even if that's the case, like the big issue with Kyler Gordon last year was that he was working at different positions between outside corner and slot corner. And that kind of messed with his play until the end of the year, until he really got a chance to stay at one position. So I almost wonder um, if that would just be a hindrance on his development even more, but yeah, and the safety position is a huge concern. I think going to this year, and another position that, the depth doesn't look great right now is at tight end, I think. And it'll be interesting because Cole Komet had, I guess what you could call a breakout season last year, even though a lot of it was just like defenses leaving him wide open for touchdowns for no reason or because of the scheme. But um, outside of him, you know, can the bears expect to get a lot of production out of these guys outside of Cole Komet because they really didn't get a lot of production out of that position last year outside of him. They did make some additions to this roster. You look at Robert Tunyon in free agency. It was really the main one, but besides Cole Komet, it's it's and, and Tunyon, it's not a very notable tight end room. So I think it's going to be a big question for this offense this year is they made a lot of additions at wide receiver, but tight end, you know, what are they, what can they expect out of that unit? Yeah, the Bears are playing this classic cat and mouse game when it comes to the tight end position. And what I mean by that is they are banking a lot on Cole Komet's chemistry with quarterback Justin Fields to really go ahead and help stabilize that position. We are not going to get into the semi-polarizing player that Cole Komet is just because we've done that plenty over the last three years on this podcast. But the bigger picture here is this, is that Cole's playing for a new contract and really the opportunity is in front of him to go ahead and make the most of it. Last season was without a doubt his best season. Last season was something where, you know, he really went ahead and kind of showed that he could be a part of the offense. Part of that was simply the Bears offense going ahead and really scheming him open to be able to maximize his skill set and potential. And I've said this consistently, but I'll say it again. The one thing that Cole Komet doesn't have that a great tight end does is the breakaway speed separation or route running, but he does make up for that with his massive size and physicality. You look at Robert Tunyon, if we're going to be quite honest Rob Tunyon was signed simply because he was the best case scenario for this team in terms of depth, but also familiarity and experience when it came to knowing who the coaching staff was, as well as just knowing the offensive scheme. I mean, Rob Tunyon, we can't even forget just kind of how he rose to prominence where essentially it's fair to argue that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers kind of made Robert Tunyon into what he is. He's never going to be a guy who's going to be a consistent tight end two by any means. Any other roster, well, he'd likely be a tight end three for some teams. But in this offense, I mean, he is good enough to the point where you know, he's not going to command like seven or eight targets a game, maybe, you know, two to three targets a game, really be serviceable when it comes to run blocking. He's also very limited because he's more so of a U tight end than he could ever be this true Y tight end. And you get guys like Jay Tongas and Chase Allen. I mean, those are two players where 
you're really going to be banking on potential. I'm a bigger believer in a guy like Chase Allen, the undrafted free agent from Iowa State, hoping that he can develop into something. But ultimately, I mean, this is still a room that the Bears are banking on potential more than anything else. And I would not be surprised to see one of Tongas or Chase Allen possibly have a big training camp and then really force the Bears to rethink Rob Tunyon's role on this roster and how big of an impact he's going to have going into the year. Yeah, well, if anything, what Tunyon can bring to the roster, he's probably the best receiving tight end on the roster right now in terms of just pure receiving. Um, You know, he had 13 touchdowns a couple years ago as a Packer, which, again, a lot of that was – you know, this offense does do a good job. This style of offense does do a good job, does do a good job of scheming these guys open. So a lot of it was just Robert Tunyon getting schemed open um, and then Aaron Rodgers, you know, finding him. But Tunyon does legit have the ability to, you know, have some, has some speed in the seam. Um, he does have abilities to make contested catches once in a while. Um, I think he's a little bit more fluid as a route runner than Cole Komet, like, He's definitely more of the U tight end to Cole Kmet's wide tight end. So they do have skill sets that I think that do complement each other. Um, so I, I do expect those two to be relatively involved and Tanya specifically to be pretty involved in the offense. I mean, there is a reason why he accepted the deal that he did, which was basically a one year, two and a half million dollar deal. Like it wasn't a lot. So clearly he was not a guy that was in high demand across the NFL. He was the Packers number one tight end last year. I know he was coming off the ACL injury, I think. So he clearly was not a hundred percent back to where he was pre-injury. So that you have to factor that in as well, but yeah, I mean, he, he's not here for his blocking. He's here to be a secondary um, receiving option um, to get some reps in the red zone, to stretch the seam a little bit. I mean, that's about it for him. Now for some of the other guys here, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think Allen probably has the best case, on the roster because he offers something that uh, Tanya doesn't have. And these other Titans don't really have besides cool Komet, And that's a blocking component, um, which with this style of offense, they want to run the ball. We know that Getsy wants to run the ball based off of, you know, how we operated the offense last year. They were one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL last year. And Allen, he has versatility where he can block in line. They can use him as a fullback. Um, they can use him as kind of a wing tight end as a blocker there. So his impact, if he does see the field this year, is going to be mainly as that blocking tight end, I think, on early downs, even in pass protection as well as kind of like an extra pass protector because the running backs on the roster outside Roshan Johnson aren't really good pass protectors right now. So, um, you know, kind of having that versatile blocking piece, I think, is something that this coaching staff is going to value um, probably. So it, I agree. I think if there's any name out there that's going to see a lot of snaps, it's probably going to be him. But again, there's not a lot to expect out of him from a receiving standpoint. It really just is Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon from a receiving standpoint um, that's going to be getting the job done. And look, if DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Claypool are as good as what this team has expects them to be or what they've invested in those guys to be, then they're not going to need a ton of production from the tight ends in the passing game this year to have a successful passing attack. It really just comes down to um, those guys being good, reliable, you know, check down options and secondary options and um, so on and so forth. So yeah, it's, it's not a great group in my opinion, but I think they can 
get some production out of some of these guys um, in a limited aspect, I think. So it comes down to the top two. And then from there, who can provide you some value as blocking as a blocker, I think is what it is, what's going to come down to. Um, And that's going to lead us to the final topic for today's podcast. And, you know, we talk about the roster being upgraded and the depth being a little bit better besides, you know, a couple of questionable areas. And it, it brings up the question, have the Bears done enough to win the NFC North this year? Because you look at the state of the division right now, it really is a wide open division when we head into training camp here. The Vikings, I think, you know, they're in a bit of a transition period because, yeah, they won 13 games last year. But clearly they were a fluky team last year, as we've detailed on this podcast quite a bit. Uh, they moved on from a lot of key veteran players on that roster um, in favor of, I guess, more of a youth movement, even though they didn't really bring in a, a ton of value in the draft this year and um, they didn't have a ton of picks. So it's not really a youth movement. They're, they're clearly you know, changing course a little bit, though, um, compared to their older iterations of the roster. I, I think they clearly know that Kirk Cousins and um, this group has a ceiling and they're not committing to that um, group as a whole right now. And then you look at the Packers, obviously – Trading away Aaron Rodgers, I mean, and going to Jordan Love, I mean, that's going to be a huge, you know, shifting point in the division that really opens things up for this division because the Packers have had a stranglehold really for the last decade and a half with Aaron Rodgers there. So, you know, outside of a couple of years here and there, obviously. So, it, it, you know, Jordan Love, we don't we really don't know what to expect out of him you know he could be good he could be really catastrophically bad he could be somewhere in the middle it's just tough to stay right now because he hasn't played a lot in his first three years as a pro and then the Lions this is the team that most I think most people are optimistic most about in terms of winning the division because they start they ended the year very strong last year they have a lot of talent on that roster Um, they have Dan Campbell and that coaching staff, you know, Ben Johnson as the offensive coordinator doing a lot of great things. There's a, they're probably the most on paper, the most talented roster um, in the division as of right now. But again, you have the Jared Goff conversation, like, can you really trust Jared Goff to be that guy for you? So um, for the bears, it's really wide open for them, I think, to be able to maybe make a run for it here. What are your thoughts on the bears in, in terms of how they stack up in the division right now? I mean, you broke it down perfectly. This is, without a doubt, an incredibly wide-open division. The Minnesota Vikings, again, they really cut bait with a lot of the veteran players this year, guys who were key players throughout the Mike Zimmer era. If we're going to be honest, I mean, the Vikings were perhaps the NFL's luckiest team in 2022. I understand that they won, I think, 13 games en route to a playoff appearance, but really it was luck that was on their side more than anything. My big question for the Vikings comes down to this is how is Brian Flores going to maximize some of the talent that he has on defense being the defensive coordinator in Minnesota right now? You look at the Packers. I mean, this is a team that underwent the biggest number of changes. They moved on from some of their veteran edge rushers. You look at that defense. Yes, we love to hammer home the fact that they have eight or nine first round picks. A couple players who were on that 2021 Georgia National Championship team. But then again, my question just comes down to this is what is Jordan Love going to go ahead and do to elevate those guys around him? How is he going to play? You know that Green Bay's got a pretty solid offensive line. Yes, the left tackle, David Bakhtiari, continues to get older. AJ Dillon, as well as Aaron Jones, going to be a really solid running back duo. But 
Christian Watson is going to be the undisputed wide receiver one. Who is going to step up outside of Watson to take the pressure off Jordan Love in the passing game? Green Bay did add some tight ends this year in the draft. And then you look at the Detroit Lions. Now, the big thing with the Lions is to say what you want about Jared Goff. Say what you want about all the gambling and the issues that have kind of put Detroit on the map this year in terms of the off-season storylines that are but also aren't football-related. I am going to be quite honest. The Lions have... A hell of a lot of young talent. And you look at the offensive side of the ball. Forget the running game for just a second. You could argue Detroit's got the best offensive line in the division right now because they spent time and money building that thing up. Panay Sewell going to be the anchor of that offensive line for yet another year. The wide receiver duo, though, is where it gets really interesting for Detroit. And again... It's fair to argue the Lions have the best wide receiver duo in the division right now, simply because Amon Ross St. Brown has popped off in so many ways over the last couple of years. We know what he is. Jamison Williams may be suspended for like the first six to eight games of the year, but Jamison Williams, I think people are really forgetting, was this dynamic playmaker who, again, missed a lot of his rookie year because he tore his ACL. When he came back and played, the Lions were in the middle of that hot streak. He really popped off in a big way, and quite frankly, when Jamison Williams gets back in, I believe, mid-October, early November at this point, he could be returning at the perfect time to help Detroit make a playoff push. The Bears, again, the team that we just love to tear our hairs out every single Sunday because they give us a reason to, this is a team that they haven't necessarily done enough to win the North in 2023, in my opinion. And that's not because there is a lack of talent on the roster. It just more so comes down to really this lack of experience that exists. At certain positions, the Bears have a lot of experience. You look at linebacker, I mean, TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, two of the better free agent signings that were out there on the market this year. Safety, the Bears have ample experience with guys like Brisker and Eddie Jackson. But really, when we look at the positions that matter for this Bears team, like a quarterback, for example, again, this is a team that's really hinging on Justin Fields figuring it all out. You look at offensive line two, which is where a lot of the 2023 season is going to be determined. Yes, you have three returning starters in Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, and Cody White here. But what's the downside of that is that you went ahead and you're moving some of these guys around. Like the Bears, to give people a perspective on the offensive line, only are going to have one starter from last season playing at his original position, who, again, is Braxton Jones. So this is, again, a team that, yes, they've added a lot of talent. Yes, we love to sit here and we love to go ahead and say it's a one-year it's a year-to-year league in the NFL. It's a one-year league. Anything can happen where anything can happen. But the Bears also play this incredibly tough schedule. And you have to wonder just how this roster, but also how this coaching staff is going to respond to whatever was put on tape last year. Because now the league has a year of tape on Justin Fields and Luke Getze's system. The year has a league of tape on what Kokomet and Darnell Mooney are going to do and what some of these receivers are going to do. So, The Bears are kind of starting from scratch, but they're really not starting from scratch. I said this when the schedule came out, and I will say it again. The best case scenario for this team is that we're sitting here the week after Thanksgiving 
going into the holiday season in December. And we're talking about this team basically being in the hunt for a playoff spot. The most ideal scenario is we're entering December and the conversation revolves around the magic number for the Bears to win the NFC North. And the worst case scenario is that we are looking ahead to the 2024 draft and Olu Fashanu and Jared Vers or Dallas Turner for the Bears as prospects with the two ones that this team will have next year. Yeah, I'll continue this conversation with the offensive line because, you know, that is going to be a, a big factor for this team this year. If they can protect it, like, it can't be understated. The Bears had the worst, one of the worst pass protecting units in the NFL last year. Um, and a lot of, again, their pass protection, a lot of it wasn't necessarily their fault because Justin Fields, like he, he does hold onto the ball a lot and put himself in positions to get pressured and sacked and a lot more than, than your average typical quarterback would. But uh, this offensive line is not, is not, was not good last year from a pass protection standpoint. And I'm not sure how much better they got in that aspect of pass protection in the off season. They, they added a lot of talent. They moved some guys around here, but you really look at who they brought in like Nate Davis at right guard. The pass protection has never been a strength of his going back to Tennessee. He's always been a much better run blocker than pass protector. Um, Cody Whitehair, he's on the downside of his career. He could not really, pass protect anymore at a consistent level it's really matchup dependent which i think it will halt on that playing at center it will help him quite a bit to be there um where he's not gonna be matched up one-on-one as much but it's still a weakness of his game tevin jenkins you know the guy's a mauler i love tevin jenkins but one i can't rely on him to stay healthy for a 17 game season and he's moving to left guard so he has to reshuffle his technique once again to go from you know, he went from being a tackle to guard last year. Now he's going from right guard to left guard. So how does that adjust his technique a little bit? Will he be comfortable on the left side of the offensive line? And, you know, again, pass protection was not a strength of his last year either. Um, and then you go to guys like Braxton Jones. Again, he struggled quite a bit as a pass protector. I hope that he's better this year because um, he definitely showed some strides late last season, but, you know, he's going to have to work on that. And then the big key is going to be Darnell Wright, I think, because he was brought in specifically because of his ability to be a pass protector. He was great at that his last year in college. Um, and hopefully that can translate to the NFL. But as we know, a lot of rookie tackles do struggle um, in the transition from college to the NFL. So I'm not banking on Wright to be a you know lockdown guy right away. If he can be above average, though, that would be huge for this group because – you know, Borum, Riley Reef, a lot of the guys they put out there right tackle last year, Alex Leatherwood, which I, I hope I hope they do not play Alex Leatherwood at all this year. Like I do not need to see that guy in the football food for in a bear for I'm sorry, no offense to him, but it was rough last year at tackle for him when he when he played. But um yeah, I mean you hope that Wright can be an upgrade over those guys. And if he can be, I mean that's that's pretty solid for them. But to me, the, the biggest factor for how good this Bears team can be, it comes down to Justin Fields and how good is he going to be as a passer this year? Because, you know, last year for all the excitement that he brought as a runner and scrambler, you know, the passing did, you know, it was not great. He took too many sacks. Um, you know, he missed too many throws at times. He held the ball too long. He missed some reads at times. Um, he wasn't consistent there. Now, here's the thing, though. 
a lot of that was not necessarily on him. We talked about the offensive line, but the receivers were not very good last year. They had one of the worst receiving groups in the NFL. They bring in DJ Moore here. And, and DJ Moore, I think, is going to be the, the, the big difference maker for uh, Fields in this passing game. If, if Moore can be that number one wide receiver and make that impact. We've seen a track record of this with guys similar just to Justin Fields. And look at Josh Allen to Jalen Hurts, guys that struggle as passers early on in their careers, but kind of, you know, raise their floor a little bit with their rushing ability. And then they get that number one wide receiver and they take off as passers and the offense just clicks like that. And you hope that that's the case with Justin Fields. Um, defensively, you know, I think they're going to be better this year because how can you possibly be worse than they were last year? Like they were um, at times just laughably bad on defense last year. You know, they have better talent. I think their secondary is going to be a strength or back seven is going to be a strength of this defense. You know, the defensive line is going to be really a sore spot for me. So I, I don't know how they have a top half of the unit defense um, top half of the league defense with this defensive line, but Iberflus, you know, he's made it work in the past with getting a lot out of little on defense. So, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the pieces are there where I think they could be, you know, not at least bottom 10 on defense. And if, as long as they're not a bottom five or bottom 10 defense this year, I think, I think the pieces are there in offense to where, they can make a run in the division here because, you know, it's not, there's not a team that really sticks out. I think the Lions are the best team, um, but I don't trust Jared Goff. Um, I, I, I don't trust Jordan Love for the Packers, even though I, I think the Packers probably on paper have a better roster than the Bears right now. Um, and then the Vikings, I really don't know what they're doing or what to expect out of them because they were pretty lucky to be where they were at last year. And that roster definitely got worse over the off season. So yeah, I mean, it, it all comes down to, in my opinion, what can Justin Fields offer this year? Can the DJ Moore trade, you know, be that thing that kind of lights the fire for, I shouldn't say lights the fire, but kind of turns the switch for him and, and brings the most out of him and really accelerate his development? Because if it can, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this team this year. And I do expect them, if that's the case, to be right there in the hunt for this division. And, you know, we'll end up seeing, you know, time will tell. Um, when it comes to that. But with that said, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Piss for Polls today. Make sure for all of our listeners out there to like, rate, and subscribe to us um, for not only this podcast, but the Bear Report podcast um, and on Blue Wire as well, anywhere where you get your podcast. Um, make sure to follow us on social media as well. You can follow us on Twitter um, at Piss for Polls. And then you say, where can our listeners find your work and follow you on social media as well? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. You can go ahead and check out my work on the Bear Report. I am currently in the middle of a series called Breakout Bears, just analyzing second and third year players that could possibly take a step forward for Chicago in the upcoming season. So check that out and be sure to check out our positional previews, too. They're dropping every other day on the website. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then for me, you can follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the bear report as well. Um, I got a couple articles out there coming up and right now I got my positional preview on the offensive line out there, which you can check out. And I'm planning to get the defensive line preview out there this week as well. It, it'll probably be out by the time that this podcast is posted, but uh, make sure to check those out uh, to get a little pre- bit of a preview for training camp coming up. And yeah, I mean, the closer we get, to training camp, uh, the more exciting it gets here over here at the podcast. So looking forward to covering that as well as college football, some college football draft topics coming up as well as uh, the college football season 
is just around the corner as well. But until next time, Bears fans, have yourself a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Bear down.